coming up on this week's show. I'll be chatting to internationally renowned photographer Jack Hollingsworth about his journey into iPhone photography. And I talked to actor-director Rob Leach about his creative process and the gear he used to get his short film accepted into SF3. All that to come on this week's Mobile Creator Podcast. You're very welcome to episode 14 of the Mobile Creator Podcast. Now, in the 10 years that I've been involved in mobile content creation, a handful of photographer names kept cropping up as thought leaders in the mobile photography world. I've had the honor of meeting many of them in person over the last few years, and one name stands out among those pioneers. He specializes in travel, lifestyle, and portrait photography, and his name is Jack Hollingsworth, and he joins me now. Jack, how are you? Hey, Glenn. How are you, man? Thanks for having me on. And delighted to be able to catch up with you. We should have been meeting in London, I'm pretty sure. You know, with that, all that went up in a puff of smoke. Hey, it is what it is. You keep them well. Uh, I know, man. Well, I'm, I'm, I have my fingers crossed that a vaccine is around the corner. The world's going to get brighter and a Mojo Fest is going to happen sooner than later. Because that, by the way, is my favorite conference of the year. Period. That's very you to say, Jack. Very nice you to say. Well, it's been an honor. Uh, you know, I've alluded to the leader, but it's really been an honor having you share your insights and your knowledge with the audience on multiple occasions over the years, to be fair. Um, but I'm, I'm intrigued. In the years that we've known each other, and even the opportunities that have presented to sit down for a pint in Galway or Dublin, wherever it was, I don't think we ever really got to dive into, you know, your origin story, if you will. Like, how did you get to where you are? What, what triggered you? What was the passion that brought you into photography in the first place? Yeah, that that is uh, that. Thanks for asking, because that is a great question, and it's a story that I love telling. Uh, it really started back in 1974. So, just graduated from high school, and my uncle Lee Harrington was the president of Massachusetts Maritime Academy in Buzzards Bay on Cape Cod, and he got me a job on a merchant marine ship. You know, wash dishes, core tomatoes, crack eggs, bake bread for 600 merchant marine cadets. So you're following this. So that was like a a two-month stint. First time ever out of the country. First time traveling anywhere. My dad bought me my first Minolta, my first camera, which was a Minolta 101. And, you know, that was an amazing experience as a kind of a kind of a derelict high school kid that was pretty much lost at the time. But that trip solidified and had seismic changes to my life in the areas of travel, photography. They both stuck. And here I am, you know, 40 plus years later, still traveling and still doing photography. That passion obviously runs really, really deep. Um when, when was your first big break? Like when, when did you transition from someone who was, you know, a passionate enthusiast to your first kind of big paid gig? Wow. Um, I'm not sure because I, I was sort of one of those, you know, I, I was trained. I have a degree in photography, so I was trained. I, I came up through sort of a traditional uh, route, but I consider myself more self-taught. Like in a lot of my graduate courses, I had this nagging feeling. I mean, I was so into photography 
there were times that I felt like I really had a better understanding of the craft than the teachers in my graduate studies were teaching me. So when I left school, I never really intended to run a photographic business. What I always wanted to do is just live a photographic life as a poet. But as luck, karma, you know, good fortune, however you call it, uh, it didn't quite work out like that. And I have spent 40 years living a pretty enviable life and having a successful photography career. Matter of fact, I've had studios in Dallas, Austin, Cape Cod. I had a studio in India. I had one in Singapore. And, uh, you know, I did everything. I did corporate. I did advertising work. I did editorial projects, personal projects, stock projects. I don't know when my first break, it probably came probably through stock photography, you know, many, many, many moons ago. I figured out the craft really early on. So I was a key player in that Getty Corbus masterfile genre. And there was money to be made. And I made a lot of money back in those days. And that parlayed into multiple studios, multiple staffs, multiple projects. And I have spent literally 40 years traveling the world with my camera. Amazing stuff. Now, I, I first came across, I remember it vividly, actually. <clears throat> the team from Filmic Pro, who, full disclosure, are sponsors of the program, by the way, but this is not a Filmic Pro uh, promo piece. Um, I saw a video that they published. I'm pretty sure it was 2013. Could be 2014. Uh, way back in the early days, we had just transitioned onto probably the iPhone 4S or 5. And um, there was a really cool video shot on location. I think it was around the Mediterranean, possibly. You were with the team from Film. I remember seeing Neil Barham for the first time in that video. And it was all about you and your photography experience and transitioning between still and you, you talked about shooting with Filmic. And I remember vividly one scene in that video where you, you had your DSLR with you and you had your phone. I think it was an iPhone 4S. And you, I remember you taking pictures with both the DSLR and the phone in parallel and then just holding the two of them up side by side to the camera going like, you know, look, look at this. Like no one can tell the difference. Just look at this. And that, that was that far back. So think about how far it's come since then. Um, talk to me about that pivot from like, are you hundred percent mobile now or do you still kind of work between both media depending on when, the gig? Not only one, not only 100% mobile or iPhone, I've been 100% mobile iPhone for 10 years. Like back, back before that trip that you just referenced with Neil in Italy, I think it was, uh, I was on a commercial job. I was shooting for the Crane Resort in Barbados. Uh, we were doing menu items, food, exteriors, beach scene, blah, blah, blah. I had a small crew. We shipped eight or nine cases of, of gear to Barbados for this four-day shoot. And one of the cases didn't show up. It was my camera case. So I was using, I brought a, you know, a DSLR, like a Canon camera on the plane, you know, like any accomplished travel shooter would, but I didn't know much about it. I wasn't comfortable with it. It was awkward. So the next morning when we started the shoot, the first break that I had was at sunrise after I shot the beach scene and some setups, uh, umbrellas and, you know, drinks and whatnot. I just asked the client for permission, went around the corner, watched the sun come up over the Caribbean um, ocean and shot my very first 
iPhone photo. Now, the phone had been in my pocket for well over a year. I'd never taken a single shot. I know it's hard to believe, but I was kind of a DSLR snob. People around me were shooting with Hipstamatic, and I thought it's kind of cute. It's just not my thing. You know, I'm like a big camera dude. But when I shot that shot, I knew right then it was like my epiphany. It was my moment, my rebel. I knew right then and there instantly that that pocket camera would change the trajectory of my life and my career. I was that sure of it. 10 years later, 10 devices, 50 countries, 1 million iPhone photos to date. Oh my God. Genuinely? Or are you just wanting like you've taken a million photographs? I've taken, I'm, 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 I'm coming close to, I think I'm about a hundred thousand shy of 1 million. And my goal has always been to get to 1 million before February, 2021, which would be my 10 year anniversary. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm as, I'm as obsessed today as the day at sunrise on the Island of Barbados. That's phenomenal. Um, I'm, re- I'm really quite intrigued. Like one of the things that really struck me, I remember you, you doing a session on portrait photography and we'll, we'll talk about portraiture in a moment. Um, but I, I remember being really, really struck while observing you in action with, with one key skill. And I actually, I often give or cite you as an example of, of someone who has an innate ability to win people's trust extremely quickly. Like I have witnessed you walking up to an absolute stranger on the street and within three seconds, winning them over, ga- gaining their trust, and, and basically getting their permission to take a portrait or a photograph of them. It's not a discreet one. They are fully aware and conscious that you're doing that. Um, and yet you have this innate ability to win people over. Talk to me about that skill. Like, how was that developed over time? Is it just practice or have you always had a, been a kind of a people person, if you will? Yeah, I probably a little bit of both. Kind of always people person, uh, kind of an extrovert, not, you know, not particularly shy. But as I look back over 40 years of street and setup portraiture, unquestionably, it's just practice. I get so many yeses relative to so few no's that my confidence is through the roof. I don't care if it's New York, Amsterdam, Galway, Houston. It does not matter. People are people in 95 to 98 plus percent of the people that I approach are going to say yes. And I think that that's that smile, that's eye contact, that's kind of, you know, being humble, not being arrogant or cocky, uh, humorous, kind of funny, you know, I'm touchy feely. Uh, I, I don't know exactly, honestly, how it works, but I know it works. And it's just so, it's so effortless now. It feels like such a part of my life. And by the way, my portrait work is still the favorite thing that I do ever, period. Well, clearly, like I say, you are a people person. I had, I had a quick um, flirtation with uh, portrait photography, DSLR style photography, about also about 10 years ago, actually now, come to think of it. And um, I remember finding that the most challenging part of the job. And I was studio-based. I, I hadn't even really gotten into street photography at that stage. I always found trying to develop that rapport with the model being the most difficult part of the shoot for me. It wasn't the technical stuff. It was, it was the chemistry, trying to formulate that chemistry. And you have that, man. If you don't mind me saying so, you have it in oodles, which is a blessing. Well, Honestly, um, this gig, it's a blessing. But for, for, pe- for people that are reading this, Glenn, uh, or, or wa- watching this, it really is just a matter of some you know, courage and gumption. And as you get a lot of yeses on the street, 
your confidence just, it blows up. And as you get, you know, think, think of all, I, I don't know how many people that I've shot on the street. I would say, I would take a guess, maybe a hundred thousand. And I would say, I don't know, 90% of those said yes, right. I mean, just right out of the gate. They don't know me. I'm working through a different language. Some, most of them don't speak English. I'm just, there's communication, honesty, transparency, believability, humility, sensitivity. And, you know, most of all, I'm saying, man, I, I'm, I'm going to make you look so good. You are going to be so happy with a shot. And then, of course, with a phone. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm shooting them and I'm showing them or I'm airdropping them the shot right on the spot. I mean, that's a game changer. Yeah, phenomenal. Very good. Um, I'm really, really intrigued by, like, obviously you said you're an iPhone advocate that way. But what about apps? Like, do you shoot with a native camera app? Are you, you know, what are your specific apps that you like oh both for shooting? My, oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm going to send you my hardcore app list. And then you can kind of post it in the show notes. But I think before I tell you just kind of like my, the apps that I considered sort of treasured or silent partners, I'd say a couple of things about apps is one, it's better to be mediocre. Uh, it's no, it's better to be masterful with a few than mediocre with many. So I only re I use about a dozen. That's it. Number two, apps should refine and not define your style. Because if they define your style, you're going to kind of move from app to app to app to app and never really find your core photographic self. Number three, you know, apps should be based on your personality, not cultural popularity. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, if you, if I say, Hey, Glenn, you're a photographer, you have photo photographic interests, give me your 10 best apps. Well, I guarantee your 10 best apps are not going to be my 10 best apps. Why? It's because your personality, styles, expectations uh, in photography are way different than mine. So isn't your backstory in your history and your experience. So apps should be based on personality and style, not popularity in culture. That's why I, I look at the list and I just go, oh my God, if I see another best of class photography list, I'm just, I, I think I'm going to puke. I mean, it's just, it's, it's all over the board. But again, be masterful at a few rather than mediocre at many. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something straight up. You're probably going to be shocked. This is my philosophy when it comes to apps and mobile photography. Life is complicated. Why should mobile photography be complicated? So I am all about the simple. For 99% of everything I shoot today, Glenn, I use two apps. Guess what they are? The native camera app and the native editing app. The camera app and the photos app. Right now, 90% of every single thing that I do, that's where my pictures come from. Uh, I, and I have runners up in each class. I use different apps for specialty things. But most everything I can get, I can get through the Apple camera app or the Apple photos app for editing. It, it's that simple. 
I had people go, what? I'm like, yeah. And I don't even use that. Speaking of apps and accessories, I've used every accessory probably ever made for a smartphone photographer. But the truth of the matter is I don't use that many. When I'm out and about, I look like a Joe, like a regular old consumer. I, you know, I'm not tricked out. I don't have big rigs. Now, if I'm doing production, of course I have rigs and gimbals and cages and LED lights and audios and tripods and all that stuff. But when I'm out shooting the bulk of my stuff, I look just like an everyday consumer that's using an iPhone with a stripped down case, the native camera app for shooting, and the native photos app for editing. That is, that is a revelation, I have to tell you. I'm really, really uh, intrigued and interested by that. It brings us nicely on to the next question, though. Um, last week, we had, what was in my opinion, a little bit of a damp squib launch from Apple because there was no iPhone announcement because of production issues, blah, blah, blah. But hopefully mid-October, we'll hear about whatever the iPhone 12 or whatever they decide to call it is going to look like. If you had two wishes for features or functionality that would be in the iPhone 12, what would those two things be? Yeah, I just literally like 10 minutes before we just got on, I just, I read a post. I don't know if it was, uh, or it was a leak. It was a post or a leak, but they, they are now saying that, uh, that it's likely that the iPhone 12 will start selling October 12th or, or October 13th. So this was from a pretty reliable source. So I think we're right around the corner. I, I believe the two features that I'm most excited about are 100% going to be on the iPhone 12, and that's the 3K optical lens. So right now, the, uh, the, the iPhone Pro Max, which I use, by the way, I have seven phones. Three of them are always with me. That is another story people find hard to believe. But on the iPhone Pro Max, we have three lenses. You have the ultra-wide, which is a 13-millimeter equivalent, right? Then you have the normal-wide, which is a 26-millimeter equivalent. And then you have the 2X telephoto, which is a 52-millimeter equivalent. Well, in the iPhone 12, it's likely that we're going to see 3X optical, which would be a, what is that? 56 times 2, 12, yeah, 112 millimeter on your optical, 112 millimeter. Not digital, optical, oh my God, that's like, that is the ultimate portrait lens. And that's not even, forget the fact that I could go to Moment, slap on a 2X optical lens on top of the 3X optical, and now I'm in the 200 millimeter range optical. So that for sure is going to happen. There's no doubt about it. Um, and then the other thing that I'm, I'm sh almost certain that we're going to see is independent control of focus and exposure. We're going to see that for sure. You know, how it's like one, you have the little box that comes up and focus, white balance and exposure have always been bundled together. And you have to use that slider up and down to change brightness. Now we're going to see independent control of focus and exposure. And as soon as it comes out, I'm buying one. I can only imagine. Come here, Jack. Um, we're running out of time. But as always, it's a real pleasure to chat to you. I could quite happily do the entire hour of the podcast chatting to you, to be honest. But um, where can people reach you? So website, social media accounts, where, where should people go? 
Yeah, I'm really active, as you know, and we're friends on Twitter. So you can always, I do a lot of, uh, you know, iPhone talk and smack on Twitter. My Twitter handle is PhotoJack or Instagram, my name, at Jack Hollingsworth. Well, look, you're an absolute gent. Thanks for so much for uh, sharing your insight and taking the time to talk to us this week. Really, really appreciate it. And definitely want to get you back in the show post iPhone 12 launch for a catch up on what, what they hit and what they missed, if you're up for it. There you go. Love to. Actor turned director Rob Leach got sick of sitting around doing nothing and took creativity in his own hands, literally. He grabbed his phone and started shooting short films and found himself entering one and getting accepted as an official selection into SF3, which is one of the largest film festivals in the world. Rob talks to me about what he used and why, and I'm not going to spoil it, but you'll be really surprised at which device he used to capture his brilliant short film, Broken Zen. Rob Leach, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm fantastic. How is the UK treating you today? Not too bad. I'm going for a bit of a heat wave now. So kind of as, as we're English, it's like, oh, my God, it's so hot. And as soon as it's not hot, I'm like, oh, where's the sun? So it's right. kind of like just making the most of it and trying not to melt. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, we're here. We're going through a bunch of smoke, you know, so it's, um, the whole West Coast is on fire. So. Oh, my God, I've seen pictures of that. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's it's pretty crazy. But, you know, we're we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it like like everything. Yeah. So, hey, thank you so much for jumping on here uh, with us here at the, at the Mobile Creator Podcast. Um, uh, I've been following you and following what you've been doing. You know, um, your your YouTube uh, channel, your um, you know your your acting and and all of that. But uh, before we get into all of that, you know, let's let's talk about you know your background. Where, where are you from? What do you do? And uh, and and how did you get to where you are now? Well, I'm from a village in Sussex, which is near Brighton on the south coast of England. And um, I suppose when I got to about 12, 13, I realised that I wanted to do acting because I realised you could get paid to do acting. So I thought, oh, that's better than any other job. So I wanted to pursue that and went to college, studied acting and then got into sort of more writing and like fringe theatre shows and stuff like that and making my own shows. And then because I was in a village, I didn't have any contacts or anything like that to actually get into the industry. So after a few years in the wilderness, I kind of ended up doing this method acting course, which then I thought, okay, now I need to move to London to make things happen. Otherwise, I'm just going to go stagnant and flake off of it. And then, yeah, I moved to London about eight years ago. And then I've been acting, doing like commercials, um, feature films, like indie feature films, stuff like that, short films. and then. About maybe six months ago, I kind of thought, I love acting, but every time I'm in a short film of any sort, I always think, oh, I wonder if I could do this, like make a short film and write a film, kind of put it on. But I just didn't have the money for it. I didn't have the money to get like a DSLR camera or any fancy, fancy equipment, stuff like that. So I just started to look around at what I could do. And then I realized that the iPhone 6S, not even like a really fancy phone, just the iPhone 6S. <coughs> Uh, has 4K capabilities. And I thought, oh, well, the films I'm in, they're shooting in 4K. And they always say, oh, shooting 4K, it's in 4K, it's going to look great. And I'm like, oh, my phone does 4K, so maybe I can start making short films. So I started looking up YouTube, smartphone filmmaking, and that kind of thing, and finding different YouTube channels to learn about shots and angles, lighting, what phones can and can't do. 
And then once I found Filmic Pro, the app, I decided, okay, I've got no excuses. I've got to start making the film uh, that I want to make in different films. So I started up a YouTube channel called Smartphone Filmmaker about three months ago, just over three months ago. And I started making a short film, just a one minute short film that went to the film right one minute stay at home challenge. And then from there, I started doing like a behind the scenes of that the next week. And then it kind of just snowballed. And every month to six weeks, I'll, I'll make a short film and try to do something different. So my late short film, You, Me and Nobody Else, which is on my YouTube channel, that one is all through surveillance cameras. So I've used the fish islands and there's no kind of fancy lighting in it whatsoever. It's very much kind of just realistic really to how it is. And now it's kind of got this YouTube channel that is picking up a bit of speed now and, and you know, getting uh, spoke about five Flip Pros, uh, Facebook page out with my Broken Zen short film and an accessories video. So now it's like starting to really snowball, which is awesome. And it's kind of gone from place to place and hope it keeps going like that. Awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that that sounds like, <clears throat> excuse me, like you were taking what you had, which was a camera, uh, 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 a 6S, you said, and, uh, and you were just making what you could with what you had, which is really what we're all about here on on uh, the mobile creator podcast it's um it, it's it's taking the mobile solutions that we have you know filmic pro whatever camera you got and going out and just doing something so that's fantastic good good on you for doing that um how how have you found exactly yeah, uh, yeah how, how have you found the uh the the mobile uh the, the mobile filmmaking process you know is, is it is it easy is it hard you know um are there things that you wish you had um uh <laughs> what, talk to me about that. Uh, i found it really really interesting and also really liberating because i've been on short films where people say okay we're, we're moving to the next shop now they've got to pick up all this gear and a huge camera and a huge tripod and they've got several people carrying stuff for them whereas when i'm making short films just with my smartphone i try and make sure everything can fit in a rucksack because all public I'm a bit lazy as well. So it's just like, if I can fit it in a rucksack, that's make my life way easier. So even my tripod, I can fit in my fairly big rucksack. I just found it like, yeah, really liberating to be able to just put everything in one bag, go and film. If you need to move to a new location, like a short film made Caterpillar on the south bank of the River Thames in London, we were just going about 15 minutes up and down the river to different places, shooting different shots. And it was so easy just to pack up and move. And we got it done in about five hours. Well, I think if you're doing that on a quote unquote professional kind of high end set, then you'd be looking at about probably a good few days at least to do all that. And you'd be doing multiple takes, all the lighting stuff. But if you know how to use the lighting and create shots, which I'm still learning now, but getting better and better at, you can create something really, really good with next to nothing, really. And like you say, you don't need the fanciest gear. You just need to know how to use what you have. And then, you know, eventually you can afford a few more bits here and there and then start building up your your um, skills, really. And yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And it's quite a casual way to film in some ways. It can be stressful because filming is a lot of work, but it feels quite sort of underground. It feels quite a cool way to film, I think. And yeah, it's quite freeing as well. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it, those are some really important takeaways because um, if you have uh, if if you have this phone in your pocket and you're able to go and just shoot and and as you say learn you know because you're you're still learning uh, as what 
what that means to you as a filmmaker. You know, you know what what acting means to you already, but as a filmmaker, yeah. you're still learning, you're still figuring out your voice, the angles you like, and all that. It it is really great to be able to take your phone and do it and go out and as I like to say is what I do is I go out and fail, you know, and I go out and fail some more, and I like I yeah. learn what I what I like and what I don't like. So you just right. get better and better by making mistakes because if you don't try new things if you if you kind of just do the same thing all the time you might be really good at that one thing but you're never going to build up your skills and you just stay safe so it's better to do exactly that and kind of just give yourself permission to fail massively and then you'll learn from that and then make your next film the next film and gradually just start getting better and better right right so um in the interest of that with uh with your short films you know talk to us a little bit more about uh, about the things that you've been creating um with, with your short films some of the stuff is really good man you're you're doing a really great job um and you, as a matter of fact you, you're one of your shorts got into uh the sf3 uh, uh, that's right yeah yeah congratulations yeah, that's, um, thank you so much yeah that has broken zen that's the first time i've entered a short film into a festival and I just thought, well, that's worth a go, you know. And then it got in. I was like, oh, great. So that's one that I made on my own because obviously during COVID and stuff, particularly in the early stages, you couldn't really meet with anyone outside of your place that you live in, in England at least. And I had to do the sound. I had to do the lighting, which, you know, was quite minimal, to be honest, uh, due to the story that I chose. I tried to keep it as simple as possible. And because I'd been in front of the camera, I knew I had to use locked-off shots. So then it became a bit of a case of, using those locked off shots to create a rhythm in the film so it's a comedy about someone who lives in a loud place loud area and he's trying to meditate and reach his little zen kind of moment but every time he does wherever he goes there's some kind of noise that distracts him, whether it's animals or vehicles and he just gets more and more stressed and yeah with that one it's just a case of if you're on your own you can still make a really, really good short film. It may not look perfect, but it doesn't really matter because you're, you're learning and you're making new things all the time. But that one was a lot of fun. I also made, as I say, my first film. That was one minute. That was quite rough around the edges, but it's a lot of fun to do. Uh, a sort of Walking Dead themed one called Survival All Costs, which I'm really, really happy with, actually. That's the second short film that I made. That, again, was one I made on my own and playing a bit more around with camera angles, putting the phone into small spaces like cupboards and that so you can get good POVs from the cupboard looking at the character and um, what else have I made quite a few short films I think I made about five maybe six and yeah as I said uh, Yumi and nobody else the latest short that I've made and it's inspired by uh, the Truman Show and her so it's about kind of falling in love with technology not that the Truman Show is that's the opposite of that but it's inspired by that with you know CCTV surveillance constantly looking at you and that's set in a world where the government has said, okay, we're going to have surveillance on everyone in their homes, in every room, 24-7 to make the country safer. And everyone else is up in arms about it, protesting. But the character I play in it, Norman, he actually loves it because he's very lonely. And now he's got these cameras in his flat. He thinks, oh, wow, this is actually not too bad. And then he gradually, step by step, befriends the camera and the idea of what could be behind it. So maybe it's a woman or whatever that he, he he's kind of built up in his mind the story of who this person is and he starts talking to the cameras all around the flats and giving them looks of only in parts like a little nod of a knowing nod as if he knows the person behind it and, and he absolutely loves it so i really love to experiment with what you can do with a phone 
and create really unique stories as well. So they try and push different types of narratives because coming from an acting background, I'm very much focused on the narrative as well as, you know, learning the behind the camera skills and things like that. So uh, yeah, really enjoy making the short films now. That's awesome. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your process. Um, so you have your uh, 6S, right? Uh, mm-hmm. as your, yeah. Um, uh, what other uh, pieces of kit do you use in terms of like your whole your whole process you know what do you edit on what do you shoot on what do you write on you know all of that well i started i actually started writing on microsoft word trying to like put it all how it should be but it's quite tricky so i I started looking up um i think it's caltex did it yeah celtics yeah yeah celtex yeah so it's started learning that that's really handy that's really it's kind of lays it out for you and when you're writing things it will just say to you like um header action dialogue that kind of stuff so you know exactly what's happening with it uh, in terms of equipment the main things i use i use my knf two-in-one tripod and that is it's so good i'm about six foot one and that thing gets taller than me it goes to probably about six foot three six foot four but also you can invert the legs as well so you can then bring it right down to ground level so if you want to do someone walking past like that you haven't got a mini tripod or anything like that you can bring it right down to ground level and you can turn it into a monopod as well which i one of my videos my youtube channel uh, with the osmo mobile 3 attaching it to that monopod to create kind of crane and jib shots so that's something else i use with uh, lens and things that so osmo mobile 3 gimbal is something i'm using more particularly now it's uh, integrated with filmic pro because i got it last i think it's december thinking it would be integrated through a pro because the first two worked, but it wasn't. I was like, oh man, this is like, it was the best gimbal, but you couldn't do it. You can't you can use it as much as you wanted to because it didn't have the Filmic Pro capabilities, but now it does. It's so good. And you can play around with the focus, the exposure, and it's just brilliant. And lens-wise, Moondog Labs lens uh, filters, I use the Moondog Labs anamorphic lens as well, the one that's used in Tangerine. So that's actually I heard, about, I heard about that lens is watching Tangerine and the behind the scenes with I think it's Sean Baker and he said that's the one that they use. I thought, oh well, that works on my phone. I'll grab that. Got it secondhand off of someone on a Facebook group, and then stuck it on my phone and it just looks absolutely phenomenal. The quality is amazing. And then I think the last thing I use regularly is my Rode Video Mic Me, which plugs into the headphone socket of a phone. So I don't know if that works with the newest phones, but with the iPhone 6s. Uh, yeah, it's really good. And again, it's just really mobile. So I've been using that with a Yolanzi Eurig Pro, which I bought, which is super cheap. You can just attach that um, on the phone, but still have the space to use your hands with it. And it's super, super mobile, super easy to use. Uh, it doesn't really get in the way. And again, it's like super convenient, which is very, very handy. Yeah. So, uh, so what I'm hearing, which is, I think, phenomenal, minimal kit. Uh, yes. in order for you to create right so you're not letting uh you're not letting the fact that you don't have you know all the uh, like a truck full of stuff stop you from creating you know so that's that's brilliant you know good good for you and and uh, i think that's really important uh for everybody to to kind of take away from this whole this whole thing this whole discussion um you are creating great content with not the latest phone you know nope. uh, and, and and a secondhand lens, uh, you know, inexpensive software, you know, in Filmic Pro and um, and uh, uh, Celtics, and you 
are just going out and creating and you're getting it up out to the largest distribution network on, on the planet, which is YouTube. And right, yeah. you're finding great, great success with it, you know? And, and, uh, so, um, uh, just a little bit about the, uh, the SF3 talk to, talk to me just a little bit more about the, the film festival. What, what is SF3 for those who don't know? Well, it's essentially one of, if not the biggest smartphone film festival in Australia. So I've been running for a number of years now, and I believe it was Blue Moon was shown. I think it was a feature film, which if anyone hasn't seen it, I, I don't know if it's on Amazon Prime or something, but do whatever you can to find that film. Blue Moon's a really good short film, which I'm certain was shown at that festival. And it's just because everyone kind of licensed to create on your phone and have a festival that's specific for smartphone filmmaking. So I think a lot of festivals may just kind of dismay, disregard smartphone films almost instantly. But as this one is specifically for smartphone films, you can make a film, send it in. It's pretty cheap as well, especially if you're doing short films. So it's quite inexpensive. And they do like the screenings, obviously. I think they're still doing one this year, albeit with kind of COVID restrictions and stuff. But yeah, it's well worth researching. SF3 in Australia. There's a lot of talent there and some amazing short films, as well as feature films, and a variety of categories as well. So if you're not necessarily a narrative filmmaker or you are a music video maker or documentary, it's well worth checking out. Right, right. Well, speaking of checking out, uh, where can people check you out uh, online? I, I know you and I are connected via Twitter and and uh, and I'm, I'm subscribed to your, uh, to your YouTube channel, but uh, where can people get a hold of you? Yeah, the best place is definitely YouTube channel, that Smartphone Filmmaker. Got all my videos on there, Filmic Pro tutorials, um, equipment accessory tutorials and reviews, as well as my short films and Smartphone Filmmaking tips. I'm on Instagram now, so Smartphone Filmmaker on Instagram. Definitely check that out. Twitter, I'm on there as well. I think it might have already been taken, so my name on Twitter is Smartphone2, the number two film or something like that. But if you can find it, I'm on there. Uh, and yeah, YouTube hit the subscribe button, all that kind of usual stuff and uh, check it out. Definitely. Awesome. Hey buddy. Thank you so much for joining us here on mobile creator podcast. Um, we'd love to have you uh, back again. It's just oh, absolutely. Yeah, anytime. more shop and, uh, and yeah. Uh, congratulations on getting into SF3 and uh, we wish you all luck in the world. Cheers. Thanks very much. You know, listening to Rob's interview, I have this crazy idea gone through my head that maybe he would be interested in being in my short film, seeing as he's only in London. And whether I shoot it here in Ireland or shoot it over in the UK, he might be game for it, given he's really into the movie-making thing now. That's he, maybe just a thought. He might be. You might. I mean, he is a working actor, so, you know, it, it, I'm sure he would appreciate uh, appreciate that look. And And you know what? Honestly, he's a really, really nice guy. I don't know if you probably got that sense from from his interview, but he's got a great sense of humor, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, really good guy. So, yeah, employ him if you can. If, if I can, 100 percent. Yeah, I've, I've had a little bit of progress. Um, well, very little bit of progress. Mm -hmm in the sense that my alternative actress potentially for the script, uh, who is based in Galway, uh, we've had initial contact. I've um, basically run the whole concept by her, talked to her about the kind of uh, story arc and everything for her, and she seems keen and interested. Fortunately, the one time that we were supposed to meet, I was in the middle of a training course, so I missed that appointment, which is a bummer. But I will get back to her, and I'm hoping that she will still stay keen. So that's some progress, and maybe um, if Ireland doesn't go into a complete lockdown again, the capital has currently gone back into a lockdown, the entire county. Oh, no. 
Uh, yeah, crazy stuff. Uh, but anyway, so we'll see. But fingers crossed, pre-Christmas, I'll get to actually, I was going to say roll some film, but you know what I mean. <laughs> record record some footage. Anyway, fingers crossed. Anyway, how's your week been? Um, it's been fairly productive. Um, I have been working on some of the uh, computer-generated imagery, uh, CGI as, as we know it in the business. So um, for those who don't know, it's 3D stuff um, for the... Uh, the series, you know, because as we talked before, I'm having to pivot from uh, from my horror movie to go to uh, to to do my science fiction series, and uh, which is a good pivot. It's been it's been good so far. I've, uh, I'm going to be doing the first three episodes. We're going to be shooting the first three episodes back to back, and I've been working on the on the CGI, and uh, you know maybe uh, maybe we'll get a taste of that you know, here very soon. Um, Sweet, I look forward to that. Some, something uh, really interesting um, for my workflow, actually, because um, it, you know, because we're locked down, and I don't feel like going into the city. You know, I, I, I live on an island just uh, just west of of Seattle. I don't feel like going into the city and shooting uh, city shots, um, and I can't fly a drone over it. I decided to use some stock imagery, right? And because LumaFusion has uh, uh, story blocks built in, I used story blocks, some story blocks images um, from there, some video like 4K and, and, and other uh, images, and brought them in and then took an XML out into um, my plugin that I used to bring it into, into After Effects and did some compositing of my you know there you know not to spoil everything but you know there are some ships and things like that um uh in it and uh i i composited some of the the cg elements on top of those things and using frame io directly in after effects uh brought that out and right back into the timeline uh in in luma fusion so that's kind of my my workflow and uh it's actually worked incredibly seamlessly I kind of think there's a whole vlog in that sentence right there. I think you, you, you know, if 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 you have time, it's unlikely in fairness, but if you have time, it would be bloody amazing to see that workflow in action. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that is. Um, I, I'm working on those things because I want to document this this whole uh, production. Um, this is one of the reasons why um, we're doing what we're doing right now. I'm doing my uh, made on mobile TV uh, uh, YouTube channel. And the reason why I'm working so tightly with uh, LumaFusion is because I want to show this whole round trip, you know, uh, sort of sort of things shooting on filmic editing on the Fusion, using a computer when needed. Uh, and it's, it's great. So, um, yeah, really excited to do that. And yes, uh, vlog coming up. Oh, I think it sounds like a phenomenal workflow. I mean, I think for some of the listeners, it will make perfect sense, but definitely I would imagine some of the people I've seen some of the names flash up basically on our social media accounts. And I know some of these people, and I think some of that would be stuff that they would love to see in detail. So I completely get that you're probably going to do it as behind the scenes content uh, to kind of, you know, help amplify all the work that went into the, the series. Um, sure. So it'll come, I'm sure, in due course. But yeah, fair play to you, man. You're Plowing a big field there, but uh, doing an amazing job in the process. Yeah, I can't uh, can't seem to do anything simply. <laughs> so I get the impression you like you know. setting the bar high, Courtney. I sure get yeah. that impression. 
<laughs> so yeah, that, it, it, it's good. But I'm, I'm happy that you are, are chipping away at yours, you know, um, getting the right actor, actress, you know, for, for your project is a, is a huge deal. You know, it's, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, 70, 80% of, of a good production is, is the right casting, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that definitely has, has been one of the most challenging elements for me because it's so far it's on my comfort zone, but um, definitely a lot of learning and it's a lot of valuable learning it. I think so. You know, it's been good. Sure. Um, I, to throw back to Jack's interview earlier on, um, we like we actually went on for quite a bit longer than what made it into the podcast recording, sure. and I did drill into a bit more detail into his app. So he mentioned in the recording that he was going to send me a list, and God bless him, he sure has. I'm not going to call it out in the podcast. I'm basically going to post this in the comments section under the, the sure. YouTube video. Um, but he did also, because, you know, he is a thought leader, if you like, in the, the iPhoneography space in particular. And um, he also shared with me kind of all the rumors, trends, and what he feels are likely to be uh, features that are com- coming with the new iPhone 12 when it comes well, in the next let's, three weeks or so. So I'm going to throw these out one by one. Full credit to him. This is his list now, in fairness. All I'm doing is just reading it off his email. Uh, but these are some of the things that he said that he uh, is aware of that are coming. So the camera improvements <laughs> within iOS 14. So better improved shot-to-shot performance. So it'll be better, faster, stronger, smarter, and I can feel a uh, Daft Punk song coming on very, very quickly. It will have uh, video toggles. So in other words, when you're in video mode, you'll have the ability to change video resolution and frame rate, though presumably not while recording, but at least you'll be able to do it within the app as opposed to having to go into the settings menu. That would be very nice and welcome. Mirrored selfies. So you'll be able to read LumaTouch as LumaTouch, which would be useful. Uh, Volume button control is back. So as Brendan said, Brendan O'Shea, when I interviewed him a few weeks back, he was saying the most desired feature would be to reinstate burst mode on the phone. Well, apparently the rumor mill now says that takes uh, burst mode with the volume up, which is the way it used to be, will be reinstated. And actually, interestingly, the quick take video features, which is the one that a lot of photographers don't like, will actually be used. You can access that with the volume down button. Be interesting to see if that works with the headphones as well. Presumably the answer will be yes. Uh, For the first time, uh, Jack talked about this, actually, exposure bias control will actually come separate to focus. So if you're an iPhone user, you'll know that when you tap on the screen, you get focus and exposure control all in one control point. Now you'll hopefully have two separate control points, one for focus, one for exposure. So it'll look a bit like Filmic Pro for photography in that case. Um, Updated night mode prioritized fast shooting so it'll do less processing and give you more frames per second when you do fast shots 4k will be bumped up to 120 frames per second or 240 frames per second slow-mo now 240 frames per second 4k that sounds pretty bloody impressive to me i'll I'll be you know waiting with bated breath to see if that comes that'll be interesting um the cameras will maintain 12 megapixels uh but usual you know software and hardware improvements more pixel focus spots all that stuff i suppose but there is one interesting little thing he mentioned here so the the iphone 12 pro max i presume will be called which again is rumored to come with the lidar scanner that that um is going to have a massive impact on the portrait mode i mean the question that i'm waiting with bated breath for is will it move to video will it give you half decent bokeh stroke shallow depth of field in video bearing in mind that samsung 
and Huawei and probably other Android devices have had this live focus mode, giving you artificially created bokeh for the last generation and possibly the last two years. But definitely, I played with the P. What was the last Huawei P30 the P30 Pro? or P40 P30. or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, are we up to 40? Yeah, possibly. Okay, it was definitely not the 20 because I had that one. Um, so the one after that, it has this live focus mode. Brendan had one, actually. And when I was playing with it, you were shooting video and you could actually see it digitally blurring the background of the shot and trying to do facial recognition to do the points of interest in the foreground. Right. But it, to be honest with you, who was it? It was Mark Settle, I think, when we interviewed him a few weeks back, talked about this app called Focus Video. Right. That's exactly what Focus does on the iPhone at the moment. It uses an algorithm to try and artificially blur the background. And my initial tests of that app were less than uh, odd, let's say. You know, it kind of worked. It wasn't in fantastically good lighting. I completely accept that may have been part of the reason that the results weren't so good. But I was left uninspired, let's say. I haven't launched the app since, if that's any measure. Well, that's, it. it's, kind of, it's kind of hard, you know, to do that when your camera isn't seeing true depth. You know, so um, with the the thing that will change that obviously is that lidar scanner. So it it's uh, in theory it's going to be uh, make that a whole lot better. Um, is it going to be ready? You know, as I as I kind of say, is it going to be ready for prime time? I have to wait and see. Have to wait and see. It's going to all be down to the processing power, system on chip, all that stuff, and you know, can it really render at twenty five or thirty frames per second? That's going to be the key. But um, I've I've often wondered whether they would go for the option of a hybrid solution, so one that would do a bit of processing on the phone, but for more complex activity, bang it up to iCloud, run an old machine learning algorithm on it, and spit it back to you as a download link, or maybe just drop it back into your folder a few minutes later. I mean, the tech is there. But hey, who knows? One other thing that he said I thought was very interesting. Uh, Again, this is credit to Jack Hollingsworth for this rumor mill. Um, He said that there is likely to be on the Pro Max, the 12 Pro Max, uh, a new option on the lenses. So there will be the super wide, which or the ultra wide, which I have to say, I really like that on the 11 Pro. Yes. Um, the standard, which is actually a wide mill, uh, 26 mil approximately. But he's saying there will be a 2x and a 3x telephoto mode. Presumably, there won't be four cameras. I'd be very surprised if there were. But if the main telephoto lens can jump between 2x and 3x optical, optical. that would be an interesting develop if it's optical. That's, if it's optical. Yeah. Big if, 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 but it's if it's optical. optical. That, that would be fairly game-changing uh, mm. in and of itself. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm using um, a 3x uh, add-on lens you know, from, from Beast Grip. And it's beautiful. You know, it gives that really shallow depth. I mean, you know, it's essentially roughly an 85 millimeter, uh, roughly. Um, and if, if this phone can do that natively, <laughs> I am all on board with that. Because it, as much as I love adding on lenses, you know, I, I love some of these lenses, like the moment lenses and, and et cetera. But, um, but man, is it making my life tough, you know, using something like the OM4, you know, the, the, uh, the, the gimbal, because, uh, you know, you have to have, you know, counterweights, counterweights and, and, yeah. and you can't use, you know, certain cases and things like that. So, uh, man, if that's, the, if that's true, Wow, because uh, in this sci-fi series that I'm doing, there's going to be a lot of, you know, tight 
shots, you know, and, and I, I don't necessarily want to be up in somebody's face to get a, you know, to get a tight shot. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed for that. Well, no, soon enough. The rumor mill hopefully will get it loosely right. But, um, we'll have to just but, wait and see. And but of course, is there any is there any mention of tone mapping? You know, fi- can you know fixing the tone mapping or um, <clears throat> true true low light performance uh, bumps? You know, so I mean, I know that it's going to be better for stills. You know, doing doing low light uh, or night nighttime still photography, but low light videography come on apple give it to us we need it <laughs> it ultimately needs a bigger sensor doesn't it it, it mean, does. ultimately it does. like it's at, if they're at f1.4 with f1.8 you know you're not going to get an awful lot more open than that so the only real way of boosting it realistically is either to use a very expensive sony sensor like something right. in the help me out with the model what's the one that can shoot in almost oh, the, the xperia oh the a7 uh, the a7s mark three right all right yeah that one uh which i'm you know grossly jealous of but it is what it is uh but i mean you know like a lot of the time the iphone has used sony sensors in the past but i'm sure that sony might pull some interesting things out of their hat with their next generation mobile phone yeah yeah i'm but i'm see. expecting yeah so we shall see but uh, uh any yeah, other interesting good. announcements during the week um, just, uh, one other quick thing. Um, you know, we mentioned Quibi before and that, you know, Steven Soderbergh is going to be doing a, a series. Um, he's going to be producing a series rather, um, that is going to incorporate a lot of, uh, uh, the visuals being shot on, on mobile phones and, and all of that. But Quibi is up for sale even after having been nominated and Ouch. and had some some wins for for some for some emmys you know um mm. uh it uh it, it looks like it's it's up on the uh, up on the auction block now wow. so hey this is a really crazy business so mm. and a, and a really volatile time let's be honest about it you it know, is in so many ways but hey wow. it is absolutely um, in other news, I did see during the week, uh, as probably been over a week now or so, but uh, Witze Evelinge, who was mentioned last week by uh, Peter Hutting when I interviewed him, mm-hmm. um, Witze in the Netherlands has been experimenting on Twitter with a new mic from Sennheiser. Uh, I saw in the last 24 hours that Cassius Rayner, who we interviewed way, way, way back in episode one, yeah. Cassius also appears to have gotten his hand on this microphone. It is called the Sennheiser MKE 200. Uh, it's a short uh, a little rifle microphone. Uh, it's interesting, it presents in TRS, so it'll work with your DSLR and with your phone with an adapter cable. Um, whereas a lot of the previous mics that Sennheiser brought out were actually designed specifically for lightning, and then later they made them so that you could interchange the cables to lightning or to USB-C. Uh, but this one mm-hmm. goes back to basics, let's say. Um, and the price point is actually surprisingly good. I, I mean that in a respectful way. It's just that a lot of the Sennheiser mics have been 200 euros or more, Right. Like the clip mic digital, their cheapest one was around two fifty. This is around ninety nine euros. Uh, so wow. I'm keen to try and get my hands on one, do some audio tests. But if you are interested and in the market for something like that, could be good for ambient sound for our filmmaking. So I have to be honest. I just screw it off the top of my rig over here. Um, the old Shure. Do you do you have a Shure MV eighty eight plus, Courtney? Are you familiar I, with I it? Do not. Uh, I, I don't little, have one, but I, I'm familiar with it. I have to tell you, man, I mean, this this is what it's competing with, in my opinion. 
And mm. I really love this microphone because <laughs> it's just yeah. so dynamic. It's really, really good. It's fantastic sound off it. The app that controls it gives you so much versatility. So I have to be convinced, but I do need to try it, to be fair, and to give some sort of feedback on it. But um, Vitz is playing with it. If you're interested in following him on Twitter, hope to get him on the podcast in the next week or two anyway, um, and we can get his insights and everything on it then. But that's a new mic, maybe just worth keeping an eye on. If you have stories, I've been tweeting this. We've actually D Nimmons interview from last week is is probably the highest performing interview that we've done over the entire series, to be fair. A lot of engagement on the YouTube channel with it. Quite a bit of engagement on Twitter as well, I noticed. Um so, you know, well done you. Great interview. Fantastic interviewee. So uh, that was really that was a win. Um again, I'm still pushing out on social media, my own personal social media accounts, looking for interesting stories. I've had some really, really good replies, so I'll just keep that kind of momentum going. If you're doing something interesting with mobile, it can be outside the spaces that we've done already. It, it doesn't have to be related to photography or filmmaking or journalism. If you're in the NGO sector, if you're in education, any of these are areas of interest for us as well. We just haven't gone there yet. We're looking for the right stories. We're looking for the right guests. So if you have something you want to share with us, please do get in touch. Again, on screen right now, you can contact us via the website, mobilecreatorpodcast.com. You can reach out to either of us individually on our own private social media accounts. Otherwise, just get the two of us via the at mcreatorpodcast handle on both Instagram and on Twitter. But we would love to hear from you. Please do reach out. Let us know what you think of the podcast. If you have any ideas, we welcome them. And um, once again, we're very grateful for you tuning in and listening to us every week. And we hope to hear or see you again next week. But until then, bye for now. Bye for now. Creator Podcast is sponsored by Filmic Pro and Luma Touch.